0: You're tuned in to Pure Positive Talk Radio every Saturday, 6 to 9 Eastern, 3 to 6 Pacific. David Essel in the box with you. America's Positive Radio Talk Show. Welcome aboard as we explore life and love and health and happiness and belief systems and shifting, radically shifting to higher levels of awareness every Saturday. And we're so glad that you're a part of the program. Of course, broadcasting live XM Satellite Radio, Channel 168. And for all of our friends and all of your friends, if you're listening to us on XM 168 that have not yet signed up for XM, they can listen to the show worldwide at talkdavid.com. Let them know that, talkdavid.com. We are proud to be part of the Premier Radio Network, celebrating 21 years in positive talk radio. Our toll-free number is one 800 548 8255 548 8255 Coming up in a couple minutes, we have uh, an exceptional author that I have to look forward to talking to if for a long time. I've interviewed a bunch of her colleagues, people that speak very, very highly of her. Barbara Marks Hubbard's going to come up, up with us in just a few minutes here and uh, find out about this whole thing regarding our shift, our conscious shift, the evolution. And the name of her book is actually uh, "Birth to Twelve and Beyond." And I'm going to be talking to Barbara about her, her belief system regarding the whole Mayan calendar, saying that this is the year 2012 is when everything's going to change, maybe catastrophically. Is it already happening? We'll find out from Barbara what's her take on that. One of the of the ideas that we have been bringing out for 21 years with our show that we want to remind you. Every hour on the air is that at any given time in life, you can turn it all around. At any given time, any day that you choose, you can let go of long standing addictions. You can heal resentments. You can release judgments. You can change your financial situation. You can lose hundreds of pounds. I mean, all it takes is that conscious decision. It's a day. It's a day. That's all it is. It's a moment, it's a second in time. the first step is really a decision that I think it's time, you know, I think it's time to let this go. I've been carrying this for a long time. It's not working. It hasn't worked before. It's not working now. Maybe step number two is just going to be asking for assistance, right? Getting humble. Getting humble and saying, I think I need someone else to give me an idea here. Uh, I've done everything I can <laughs> and I'm right here. So maybe, just maybe, it might be really good to get humble and go, okay, mm, this isn't working. I'm doing the best I can. It's not working. I've got to reach out and ask someone else for help. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, those might be the only two steps that you need to take today to radically change your life, to have today be the day that you turn it all around. And I might just be an awareness that, okay, I'm really tired of the chaos and drama. I'm really tired tired of the health issues. I'm tired of the financial stress. I'm tired of this unemployment stuff. I'm tired of the resentment against my former partner. I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm tired. So there you go, okay? There it is. There's enlightenment. Swear to God, gang, that's enlightenment. When you wake up and go, oh my Lord, I'm exhausted. This part of life hasn't worked forever. There you go. You've just become an enlightened being. Isn't that easy? And then the second step could be just as easy. Hmm. Maybe not quite as easy to reach out and to admit to someone else that uh, you could use a hand. Think about that. 1-800-548-8255. My guest, Barbara Marks Hubbard, author of the book, Birth to 12 and Beyond, Humanity's Great Shift to the Age of Conscious Evolution. Barbara, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah, it's nice to have you with us. So let me start off with this whole Mayan stuff. And of course, the Mayan calendar says 212, there's going to be this radical change, this in this incredible, some people say catastrophic change. What, what's your belief system in regards to Barbara, what that Mayan calendar says and what you think we're actually going through?
1: Well, I think it's been very much exaggerated, particularly the idea of the end of the world and the complete uh, destruction of what we know. I think what it really is is a brilliant understanding of galactic phase change and that there is, uh, on many levels, not only on the Mayan prophecy level, there's the ending of one phase of evolution is, is at hand. Because we can't have self-centered growth within a finite system uh, and expect to survive, so something is ending, and I have not been a Mayan scholar, nor have, was I really influenced by the Mayan scholars. I actually had a Christ experience <laughs> <Very different>. really <laughs> yes and I, I I asked many years ago nineteen sixty six before I never heard of the Mayans. I asked what story. Could we tell which would be as great as the story of the birth of Christ? And with that, I literally had an experience of being like an astronaut, feeling Earth as a living system, feeling it struggling and, and the pain. And then I actually got a few frames ahead where we felt empathy and healing and spirituality and all the new capacities joined together. And what I got was the inspiration which I would say from a Christ experience was our crisis is a birth. Our story, Mm -hmm. comparable to the story of the birth of Christ, is the story of the birth of humanity becoming one interrelated, whole, planetary being. Barbara, you go tell that story. So I've been telling the story of the birth of humanity, uh, but nothing to do with the Mayan prophecies. The Mayan prophecies came in, and they, with Jose Arguez, who was a dear friend, they picked out uh, around the December twenty-first as a time. Uh, Jose calls it like a water boiling point, and he believes it's a galactic synchronization of shift. Hmm. Well, that may well be so. What I know for sure is, after December twenty-first comes December twenty-second. So we're saying whatever happens on the 21st, the really important thing is supporting what's loving, good, true, and innovative. That's our, and I am experiencing that as the great story of the, of humanity right now is the story of our birth as a co-creative species.
0: Okay, so let me ask you a question. So the, uh, on December 22nd, I know there's an event, and ladies and gentlemen, if you want to find out more about this event and, and more about Barbara, go to birth2012.com, birth2012.com, to find out more about that, of what's going on on the 22nd. So let me ask you something about this planetary shift. Is there a reason, Barbara, can you see a conscious reason of why right now we have all of the chaos with the economy, with war? I mean, is is there a purpose for this leading up to, this, this shift that you're talking about, a conscious shift? Is all of this leading us in that direction?
1: Well, you know, I, I feel that this whole set of problems started, you might say, when the United States was able to create an atomic bomb and could drop that bomb on Japan. That was the signal that the human species has gained enough power to destroy the world. Mm -hmm. And it's not just atomic, obviously. It's nuclear and biotech and nanotech and quantum computing and robotics and space travel. And We are gaining powers of gods. Now, I saw that when I was a 15-year-old girl. I saw that we'd have to know the meaning of the power that's good. So that was my question. If we're gaining all this new power, science, technology, industry, what could be good that the human race wants to do with the power of God. And so I started a research through philosophy and religion, and I went to Bryn Mawr College, and I had the opportunity to meet President Eisenhower in 1952. And I said, Mr. President, I would like to ask you a question. Yes, young lady? Well, <laughs> what do <did> you... <laughs> I'd like to know what you think the meaning of all this new power that's good. Mm -hmm. And he looked at me amazed, he shook his head, and he said, I have no idea. Mm. And so what I decided to do in my life was to see if I could find out where is the direction of human civilization going with all the power that we now have that would be good, attractive, and actually able to fulfill human aspiration. And with that, I began more and more research. I found Teilhard de Chardin, Sri Aurobindo, and Buckminster Fuller and lots of support for the fact that I think we're entering the next stage of evolution.
0: And this is what you're talking about, the conscious evolution.
1: Yes, so conscious evolution is simply evolution by choice, not chance. Right. We've become conscious not only of evolution, but really we are evolution. I mean, you and I and everybody and everything is actually an expression of the billions of years, the formation of the atoms, molecules, cells, organs, brains. Do you realize we're trillions of cells talking to trillions of cells right now? Right. And, and, and we forget that what it took to get <laughs> to yes. where we are. Yeah, and very so, good. Mm -hmm. I always have realized that if the universe, if God, if spirit is able to create from no thing at all, everything that is, and you and I are part of that, that we have to be aware that we've been given the power to become co-creative with that process. In other words, in religious language, God is creating expressions of God. And actually, that's what it says in the, you know, we're created in the image of God. It Mm -hmm. looks to me like that's true if we use our power with love. Mm -hmm. If we do not use our power with love, we'll destroy the world. But if we do, then I think what we're going to see is we're becoming a universal species. (laughs) I mean, we're going to (laughs) be able to restore the earth, free the people, explore the universe, and i think we mostly are so myopic that we don't notice yeah. what's being born you
0: yeah. barbara i'm going to ask you to hang there when we come back from from a quick break i'm going to talk to you about conscious evolution on a personal level like what could our listeners be thinking of that evolution by choice means for them personally, and what does it mean on a global uh, perspective as well. Barbara Marks Hubbard is my guest, the author of the book, Birth 2012 and Beyond, Humanity's Great Shift to the Age of Conscious Evolution. Also, did you know that Barbara Marks Hubbard was one of the first women to run for vice president of the United States of America in 1984? And here we are in the middle of a campaign again, interesting timing. We'll talk to her about that when we come back to you're listening to America's positive radio talk show celebrating 21 years of positive talk toll free 1-800-548-8255 XM satellite radio 168 and streaming worldwide at talkdavid.com. I'm David Essel. Stay right there. Tuned in, Positive Talk Radio, David Essel alive, 1-800-548-8255. My guest, Barbara Marks Hubbard, author of the book, Birth 2012 and Beyond, Humanity's Greatest Shift to the Age of Conscious Evolution. Barbara, before we go back to this conscious evolution, evolution by choice, you were one of the first women ever nominated for Vice Presidency of the United States. How did that happen?
1: Well, I made a a purpose to place... My name have my name placed in nomination for vice president to propose an important new function in the vice presidency, and I called it a peace room as sophisticated as a war room to map, mm. track, and connect what's working in America and the world.
0: A peace room that is as, as important as a war room.
1: And it would be able, you know, a war room can scan for enemies and how to defeat them a peace right. room would scan for innovation, creativity, solutions, and how mm. to connect and communicate them. And I just said, it wasn't ag- even against the war room. It was taking that sophisticated capability and using it to scan the world for what's working. And I, it was such a great idea that the, um, over 200 delegates at the Democratic National Convention in 1984 placed my name in nomination actually Geraldine there was me and Geraldine Ferraro and she was actually the one selected but I was the other woman and it was an amazing victory for a a, a futurist grassroots woman like me
0: yeah that is so that is so awesome uh, listen before and before I go ladies and gentlemen if you want more information about Barbara her book her work and also the event that's coming up on December 22nd, 2012, go to birth2012.com, birth2012.com. Uh, Give us a couple ideas, uh, Barbara. We've got a few minutes left here today about this conscious evolution, evolution by choice, that, that our listeners could use as examples to apply to their life today.
1: The way you can apply it is anything that's happening in your life, that particularly if it's a depression, a distress, crisis it's a sign that something more wants to be expressed through you and conscious evolution is having the ability to say yes to that and start affirming what attracts you towards your own life purpose towards your own growth and birth 2012 is an idea of celebrating that on a planetary scale so that if you are interested and you go to birth 2012.com you can form a hub of two or three people Join together and on December 22nd, 2012, you can actually share what's emerging in you. Mm. So it, this is a totally participatory event of supporting the positive.
0: It, it With someone with depression, are there certain traits or certain, um, what am I trying to say, are there certain aspects of a human being that are trying to be expressed, like in general, not that it would be the same for everyone, but in general, could you could you say, well, that oftentimes when someone is depressed, what wants to be expressed is A, B, C? Could you give us ideas from your perspective what it could be? I would be?
1: say what wants to be expressed is more of your creative potential. Mm. That, that every every being, not only every human, but every entity, but certainly every human, has an innate desire for the expression of their greater potential, and very few of us get close to expressing all of our potential. So depression is it, it, something that can happen easily to anyone. And but when it does with me, I then say, okay, what more wants to be expressed, and I do a meditation which is I tune in to what I call vocation. It's in the upper heart, and it's your gift. It's your soul's purpose. It's why you're here on this earth. And if you tune in, you'll find you have a deeper purpose. And it's that purpose that that the depression in you is asking you to seek, to look forward to, to uh, identify and say yes to. And you become a social pioneer. You become, I call these, Myself, a pioneering soul. Mm. What it's, not, I mean, okay. it's very rewarding, too, because I, I, when you say yes to it, you have to reach out and find others. And when you right. can find others that need what you have to give, you have a sense of co-creation and joy.
0: I love it. I love it. In 60 seconds, Barbara, give the USA some hope, some inspiration. 60 seconds. Go for it.
1: Uh, that. Uh, all people are born creative. That's the next stage after Thomas Jefferson, with this, with the right and responsibility to express our creativity for the good of ourself and the whole. There's no place on earth that has more opportunity to express creativity than the United States.
0: Mm. It is so true, and we take for granted this, don't we, Barbara? Yeah. No. We absolutely take it for granted. Barbara Marks Hubbard, author of the book Birth Two thousand twelve and beyond Humanity's Great Shift to the Age of Conscious Evolution. For more information on her book, on Barbara, and on the event, December twenty second, two thousand twelve, go to birth two thousand twelve dot com birth. 2012.com. And as she said, become an active part of it. And I love Barbara. I loved your explanation of what is being birthed through depression. I think that's just absolutely fascinating. And I'm so glad that you had some time here to share your thoughts and wisdom on the show. And I appreciate it.
1: Okay. Thank you so much.
0: Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Our toll-free number, 1-800-548-8255. You know, we believe that same thing to be true with addiction, what Barbara was talking about. When someone has an addiction, it is covering up. It is covering up so much emotion. When we're filled with anxiety, that uh, underneath the anxiety is something that wants to be expressed. In other words, the manifestation of depression, addiction, and anxiety is because we have pushed down human needs of our own spiritual needs of our own. When we're we're struggling with alcohol, nicotine, food, when we're struggling with a spending addiction, when we're struggling with anxiety, depression, when we're struggling with low self-esteem, ladies and gentlemen, what that says is that there's something that we are pushing down. We are afraid of becoming all that we could be. And those emotions are on the surface telling us it's time to get help, to let go. So if it's time for you, reach out. Absolutely. Very few of us can do that on our own. 1-800-548-8255. America's Positive Radio Show. More to come. I'm David Essel. Stay there. David Essel, live positive talk radio across these great United States, actually all over the world. Very nice to have you on board. 1-800-548-8255. Don't forget, if you miss any of our shows, if you have friends that miss the shows, tell them and remind yourself, go to iTunes. Slash David Essel Alive, iTunes slash David Essel Alive. You can listen to all of our archive shows there. Will Wilkerson actually puts those all together for us. Uh, rate us too. Go ahead and rate us. Rate us. Whatever the highest number is, just hit the highest number with ratings <laughs> on everyone. I'm dead serious. But listen to the shows. If you miss them, if you want to hear them again, I love it. I love that we have them all up our archive for a long period of time now. Um, hey, what do you think of all of this performance enhancing drugs? Uh, steroids, testosterone, et cetera. I want to read this to you. This is fascinating. And then, of course, I'd love your opinion. Our toll-free number, 1-800-548-8255. A number of weeks ago, you talked about Lance Armstrong and his performance-enhancing drug use that got him uh, kicked out of cycling and all sports. I am a sports educator with steroid and performance-enhancing drug research. Uh, In our opinion... Now, he says our, I don't know who our is, but in our opinion, we need to let players go to use what they desire. Now, listen, this is fascinating. This is a guy who's a sports educator and with uh, steroid and performance enhancing drug research. Um, We need to allow the players to go to use what they desire as these drugs do not have anything to do with skill level. This is a very interesting point. You can be huge and not talented with eye-hand coordination, agility, and even sports intelligence or decision-making skills. It's time to let this go. It's easy. Yes, it is easy to mask almost all performance-enhancing drugs. Isn't that a fascinating argument? What do you think about that? 1-800-548-TALK, 1-800-548-8255. Uh, this guy is talking, and he said women too, because you remember some women in the Olympics this year got stripped of their medal after testing positive for performance enhancing drugs, and he says in this, in this note that uh, he's talking about both men and women in sports. What do you think about that? Should we just let it go? Uh, It's happening anyway, right? We have a couple people this year in baseball that got caught, but it's it's happening. Uh, You know, his belief system is happening with so many athletes, they're just not getting caught. Testosterone, from everything I have read, is outrageously easy to mask. And I will tell you, I love what this guy's saying about the fact that steroids cannot help a batter with eye-hand coordination... I'll go on to say they can't help a quarter a quarterback with passing accuracy. They can't help a pitcher with pitch placement, right? What do you think? What I mean, if, if all this is true, which I know it's true, he said it, I, I, I know this is true, that you know, the performing enhancing drugs do not help the eye hand coordination. He makes some awesome points here about decision making skills. It doesn't help with agility, the performing enhancing drugs does not help with sports intelligence, right? What do you think? Do we stop the testing? Do we, do we become even more aggressive to level the playing field, as they always say? It's a great argument. Would you say yes, let the players decide because of all these points this gentleman brought up? Or no, keep the testing and try to keep the game pure, even though it's not anymore. 1-800-548-8255. one 548 8255 What's the solution to this, do you think? I have to tell you, when I read this, I'm, I was smiling the whole time because there's a, a large part of me that so understands that performing enhanced drugs for women and men has nothing to do with eye-hand coordination, decision-making skills during the event, uh, sports intelligence. It does not have, so maybe we should just open it up and say, whatever. You know, so someone wants to come in and hit a home, hundred home runs. Well, you know what? It's not going to be just because of steroids. They're going to have to. Do you? What was it? I saw something on TV the other day that when when a baseball leaves a pitcher's hand, that the batter has like point I don't know what it was point five seconds to decide whether to swing half of a second or less to decide whether to swing or not. Isn't that incredible to think? So with all these arguments that this gentleman brought up, do you think that we're wasting a lot of time on the testing, on trying to catch people who are cheating when more and more people are cheating anyway, they're just masking it? Should we let it go? Do we just go whatever? Or do we stay on this stringent approach and try to catch as many people as we can? 1-800-548-8255. 1-800-548-8255. I, I, and I'll I tell you, I'm I'm not... I'm split on this. This is one of those few topics in my life that I'm split on. And the reason I'm split on it is because I don't really see the cheating side of it when we're talking about eye-hand coordination, decision-making skills. Do you know what I'm saying? Like if if this was something that was just pure brute strength, if this had nothing to do with agility, with decision-making, with eye-hand coordination, if all sports were just brute sport, just brute strength, brute size, the bigger, the stronger, you're always going to win, I might go, okay, look, it, we, we can't have any more performance enhancing drugs because it's just crazy. Whoever's bigger and genetically bigger by themselves and then they add the drug to it, they have an unfair advantage. But I'm not sure... That people really have an unfair advantage when it comes to the properties of being a star athlete that have nothing to do with strength and size. Don't you agree with me? Like, don't you agree that that for so many sports, it has nothing to do—I mean, the size and strength, has, you know, it, it gives them an edge maybe, right? But it can't make—like, let's say Michael Jordan. If Michael Jordan had 30 more pounds on him or 40 more pounds because he used steroids— to become, what was he, like six six four? So let's say that he had 30 or 40 more pounds. Would it have really made that big of a difference? I mean, that guy had a high sport IQ, right? Great decision-making skills, outrageously agile. Would it have really mattered? I wonder. And then we look at some of the baseball players. Remember with Mark McGuire and Barry Bonds, Right. And I wonder what percentage of their home runs, like, if they weren't on steroids, they'd probably be home runs. They just wouldn't be 7,000 feet home runs. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Don't you agree with me? Like, like don't you think that maybe this has been taken a little to the extreme just because of all the points that this listener brings up about agility and hand-eye coordination and sports intelligence? one 800 548 It'll be interesting to see where all this goes 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now. And I could even understand sports saying, you know, we're going to keep testing because we don't know the long-term effects of some of these performance-enhancing drugs. And it might be deleterious to the health of the athlete when they're 50, 60, 70. And I could even understand that that argument. I'm not sure I agree, and as a matter of fact, I'll just, let me just say this. I don't agree. I do not agree that most of these performing enhancing drugs help athletes with the skill sets brought up that have to do with the eye-hand coordination, decision-making skills, agility, etc. I'm kind of agreeing with this guy. And the more we talk about it, I think I am agreeing that maybe we're wasting a lot of time and money. Don't you think that? Like like maybe it's not such an unfair advantage to have people taking, performing, enhancing drugs. Maybe it's not. Maybe we're blowing it up. What do you think? After these messages, we'll continue... David Essel in the box with you, XM Channel 168, streaming live at talkdavid.com, part of the premier radio network, and really happy to be with you every Saturday for three straight hours, bringing you information to help you make better decisions in your life. 1-800-548-8255, 1-800-548-8255. i am David Essel. Stay there.
1: <laughs>
0: Whenever I hear that song, I love it. I don't know why. Isn't that something you, you, like sometimes when you just you grab a, a song and it starts to play again and it just makes you smile? I have no idea why. 1-800-548-TALK. 1-800-548-TALK. David Essel in the box with you. Here's a response. Uh, Interesting in regards to this performing-enhancing drugs. As a former professional athlete, you are right. A high percent of athletes are all using uh, performing-enhancing drugs. Listen to this, gang. The ones not thinking are the ones that get caught. The ones not thinking are the ones to get caught. Yeah, I have a tendency to believe that. And I really do have a tendency to believe that a high percentage of athletes are using something to try to give them the Edge, eight hundred five four eight 548 talk I'm going to a, here's, here's some more information or more questions to, for us to help you guys with. I'm going to a family celebration. My ex-wife will be there. Our three kids will be there. Should I bring my new girlfriend of three months? Uh, she has not yet met the kids. We've been divorced for six months. Okay. Now, of course, because I'm sitting on the outside, this is a no-brainer. The answer is no, no, no. You know, we advise in our work that we never bring the new dating partner when we're fresh out of a divorce and six months out of a divorce is fresh out of it. We never bring our new dating partner to a family event unless everyone possible has met that person outside of the family event. Does that make sense? In other words, you know, the fact that your kids, your three kids have not met the new girlfriend yet. That's crucial. You don't want to introduce the three kids and the mom because all of a sudden then the kids will feel they have to take sides. Like, oh God, mom's here alone. Dad's here with his new girlfriend. Let's go side with mom. Mom's upset. I need to be upset. Can you dig it? Yeah. You know, it's like that's not a good way to do it. What I would recommend, first of all, is when whenever we work with newly divorced, we always say, don't even introduce your kids to a new dating partner until you've been dating that person for six months or longer. And the reason we say that is because of the old swinging door policy. You know, when, when we're fresh out of a divorce, the, the oftentimes uh, it's gonna be rebound dating. That's just the facts. Whether people like to hear it or not, it doesn't matter to me. It's the facts. You're going to be rebound dating. If you're gonna date that quickly after a divorce, The odds are you're going to do rebounding. You probably haven't done the work. You probably haven't worked with a, uh, a coach, a counselor, a therapist to get clear, to let go of resentments. I highly recommend people don't even date for a year after a divorce. Every client that's ever come in that has that is newly divorced, we always say, look, let's do some work, let's get clear, let's let go of resentments, let's find out our role of divorce, let's find out our role in the patterns of all the relationships that haven't worked in the past, let's get clear, let's get clean, and then go date. Don't bring some other pole's poor soul down into your crap. amen right amen and don't definitely introduce your kids yet you've got three kids let them get used to you and your your former wife being apart divorced um before you throw maybe one or two or three new people into their face way too soon uh i listened a little while ago to your response in regards to the person whose child was addicted to sugar and overweight Uh, I believe the the, the child had eaten whatever they wanted for five years. I have a 14-year-old daughter who will go crazy if I try to change her sugar addiction without baby steps. Please help me. Okay. So let's talk about that. You know, you hear me on the show all the time say I don't believe in baby steps. So let me explain what a baby step is. A baby step, and we'll do it in regards to eating, would be saying to the child, okay, listen, you normally have... A couple glasses of milk, which is probably 30 grams of sugar, believe it or not. There's like 15 grams of sugar in a glass of milk. So you have a couple glasses of milk before you go to bed, and you have six, seven, eight cookies. So instead of having eight, let's have seven cookies. See, that's a baby step that I go, nonsense. Absolute nonsense. It's not going to have an impact. It's not going to have an effect. So what you might say is, look, I'm gonna, you're only going to have one glass of milk because there's 15 grams of, of sugar in a glass of milk. So you're going to have one glass of milk and you're going to have four cookies. Okay, now that's cutting down, ladies and gentlemen. And you might even do this, if you're an adult, you might even go, oh, man, I can use this formula for myself. And the answer is, hell yeah. Right? You might do it with alcohol. You might do it with nicotine. You might do it with spending. You might do it with food. But when you're trying to break a sugar addiction, and it is called a sugar addiction, why do you think kids freak out when you go, you're not going to have Cap'n Crunch anymore, (laughs) you know, which is like heroin? Sorry, uh, Quaker Oats, but it is. It's got so much freaking sugar in it. It goes right to the brain, and it is amazing. All right, well, if you take that away, why do kids freak out? Have you ever seen kids on Halloween when you try to take the kid? Oh, my God, they go absolutely bizarre. Well, because they're in the sugar craze, right? That's their heroin. Sugar is their heroin. So you have a heroin addict with a bag of heroin and you take it away. What's the heroin addict going to do? The same thing the 14-year-old girl or boy is going to do. So we say, look, and for anyone out there that's thinking that this is an exaggeration, I promise you it's not. You, you know, our, our, we have a huge percentage of our country that's addicted to sugar, and of course, that's just leading to all kinds of uh, of diabetes problems, uh, heart disease, obesity, overweight, uh, high blood pressure, high triglyceride levels. It's absolutely out of control. So, but don't do the baby steps. You know, like cut it in half. Cutting in half is not a baby step. God, you know, when I was a kid, my mom used to do this. Like, she would mix sugared cereal with, like, some nonsense, non-sugared brand cereal, right? <laughs> or sh- or shredded wheat, you know? <laughs> like, you, can you imagine as a kid getting, like, a half a cup of, of Cap'n Crunch, and you're dying for Cap'n Crunch, right? you got to have your sugar. And then um, mixed in with, with shredded wheat, and you go, damn, you know how to give me a, a, a buzzkill, don't you, Mom? <laughs> but that's what we have to do. That's what we have to do. So thank you so much um, for your questions, because uh, keep them coming. Email us, talkdavid.com. We'll get to as many as we can uh, every Saturday. Email your questions, talkdavid.com. And speaking of goals, I want to keep sharing this with you. If you're ready for a radical life change... 52 weeks from today, 12 months from now. If you want 12 months from now, your body to be radically different, your financial situation to be radically different, your career to be different, your relationship, your 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 um, a release of a huge addiction maybe. Look into. We'll send you the information. Email us at talkdavid.com. We'll send you the information on our master mentor program. It's the most intense fun, and the most highly accountable of all the coaching programs we've offered for the past 22 years. The Master Mentor Program by far is the most intense, the most fun, and the most highly accountable. Email us at talkdavid.com. We usually have anywhere from one to two positions open up every month to take on new clients. We do 12 to 14 clients a year. So that means about every month, one or two people gets done with their 52 weeks, and we can take a new person. Email us at talkdavid.com. Just put, David, I want more information on the Master Mentor Program, and we'll send you that information with endorsements from people that have done it in the past. It's a lot of fun. It's highly accountable. It's a lot of fun, and it's all about radical life change. It really, really works, Uh, and that's at talkdavid.com. Oh, here's a question about separation. Uh, A a boyfriend and his girlfriend want to separate. And the woman said, I'll let you know when I'm ready to return. And I'm going to tell you, no, 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 don't buy it, gang. If you're going to separate, let's be mature enough to say, and here's the date we'll talk. If it's 30 days, 60 days, 90 days down the road, please don't ever buy into someone's nonsense when they go, well, when I've gotten over how mad I am at you, I'll let you know. Nonsense. No, no, no. That breeds insecurity. It's disrespectful. If someone needs a week, if they need 48 hours, 72 hours, if they need 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, Ask for, you have every right in the world to ask your partner for an exact time that you'll reconnect. If you don't, you're going to just breed insecurity. You're going to breed a lack of faith, a lack of goodwill, a lack of trust, and a separation. Now, if that person can't give you that, then to me, it's like, okay, you know what? Then I think it's time for us to move on. And I'm dead serious with this. Don't be held out to dry. You know, don't be put on that plank, that proverbial plank to walk off the ship. Do not, do not, do not ask for an exact time. Could be two weeks, three weeks, a month, six months, whatever it is, but ask for a time. You, you deserve that respect. Hey, listen, you know, with our show, as you know, it's at iTunes.com uh, slash David Essel Alive. iTunes slash David Essel. If you need more inspiration and you want to go back into the archive shows, go there. Do it. Listen. And remember, at any day, any time in life, you can turn it all around. I want that day to be today for you. I'm David Essel. See you next week. Be strong. Be powerful.